0: The new Super Beats Hard Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit Radio Beats B-E-E-T-S dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.
1: You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live.
2: Hello and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Anne Hornaday, chief film critic here at The Post, and it is my great good pleasure to be joined today by the actors Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez. Emilio is the writer and director of the 2011 film, The Way, full disclosure of which I'm a huge fan, um, and which also stars his father, Martin Sheen. And as as we saw in that introduction, Emilio is also responsible for the movie's re-release tomorrow, May 16th, which is great news for, for the many, many fans of this movie. Martin Sheen, Emilio Estevez, Welcome to Washington Post Live.
3: Thank you very much, delighted to be here. Thank you for those good words.
2: Not at all. Thank you, Anne. It's a pleasure. We all connected when the way first came out. We had a fun bus ride together from the wilds of Northern Virginia um, (laughs) into Washington, DC. That was a highlight (laughs) for me. And it's just really nice to reconnect with both of you. Um, so, Amelia, let's start with you, and you got a, we, we saw a little clip there of, the, of your speaking with Jennifer Hudson about why now, but tell us a little bit more about how this all came together and what motivated you to re-release The Way right now.
0: Well, the film was essentially sitting in movie jail for the last couple of years. Uh, it had uh, been involved in a bankruptcy uh, uh, and a court case. Uh, where it was sitting in a uh, a Delaware uh, court where it was a um, motion to abandon rights. Uh, my term had ended with the previous distributor, in addition to that. And so I got a call from a, a company, a boutique distribution company called Ocean Avenue. A guy named Chris Bueno writes to me and says, Hey, man, I think I can rescue your movie out of this movie jail. And so we set about doing just that. Enter Fathom Events, who said, We understand. Ah, uh, you guys are 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 endeavoring to get this movie back out there. We realize it's it's been taken down off of all the streaming uh, sites. It is difficult to find the DVD. We would like to uh, release your film back out on screens, and so consequently, here we are. Uh, the night of, of the Jan- or uh, May 16th, we're out on almost a thousand screens across the country, which is bigger than the movie. Uh, ever uh, had the opportunity to be released when it was when it was first released in uh, 2011.
2: You know, it's it, that's a great story, and it fills me with hope and joy. You know that these orphan films or these these lost gems aren't always lost, and that they do have advocates and ways back. And I mean, I think over the years, one of the questions I get asked most often is why, where's another movie like the way? I mean, people fell in love with this film. Um, those who were lucky enough to see it, um, Martin. What do you think the resonance of the movie is today? I mean, it it is so um, it's so it was so prescient in so many ways. And then, yeah. as Emilio said in the Je- Jennifer Hudson interview, it it speaks to our present moment. Just very quickly.
3: very much, so. yeah, very much so. I think that people are looking for something that that was sort of heightened during the pandemic when uh, people began to. Hear the birds again and uh smell clean air despite the the horror of the pandemic and and so many uh deaths and so they they were rejuvenated when the pandemic ended, and they were permitted to go outside uh their homes and and then they wanted to go outside themselves they wanted to to touch that sense of the sacred that exists in all of us they wanted to find a way as i often say to unite the will of the spirit with the work of the flesh and that's what pilgrimage is all about the, you know the the uh, flesh is walking the spirit is listening and they come together and they form community with all the other pilgrims in front behind and right and left of you for uh, for the 500 miles from uh, St. Jean-Pierre du Port to Santiago de Compostela. But it is a journey inside, as well as a physical journey outside.
2: Indeed. Um, Emilia, I would like to play a clip right now, which gets to a little bit of what Martin was just talking about. Um, And speaking of prescience, you'll see, this this shows how ahead of its time the movie really was. We'll come back after the clip. One of the guys said you're Canadian.
1: Don't spread it around, eh? So how's it going for you out there on the road, Boomer? I'm Tom. You know, isn't Baby Boomer? You got all those horrible signs of that desperate generation taking its final breath trying to screw the rest of us over one last time. Only thing missing from you, Boomer, is one of those stupid-looking ponytails in a collection of James Taylor songs on your iPod.
3: I like James Taylor. But I don't have an iPod.
1: Well, that's pretty amazing. What, no iPod, no cell phone or computer to keep you connected? Isn't it written somewhere in the Baby Boomer book that you must own a certain percentage of anything Steve Jobs makes? So what is it, on pilgrimage to change your life? Something like that. Wait, don't tell me. Just getting over a nasty divorce and she took it all. Or maybe you're out to meet some young chicks and relive your college glory days. Believe me, I've seen plenty of that nonsense. Oh, I got it. You're seeking penance for screwing over your company retirees in some stock market scandal. You sound really angry. Yeah, sure, I'm angry. I got to quit these. (laughs) And I'm really, really angry about that. And when we get to Santiago de Compostela, it's all over for you, my little friend. You're a goner. The end of the Camino is the end of my addiction. Spoken like a true addict. Spoken like someone who took 10 days to get this far.
3: Well, at that pace, you should get to Santiago by the end of the year.
1: He's on to our plan.
2: <laughs> and of course, that's the, the great Deborah Kara Unger, who is just so sensational in this movie. Um, great wonderful. scene. It's
3: a wonderful scene, yeah. I'd forgotten oh, about it- that scene.
0: <laughs>
2: There's a lot going on in that scene, my friend. Um, beautifully Thank written, you. beautifully acted, and directed.
0: Thank you. And
2: and that dialogue. I mean, it gets so much to this generational <laughs> divide we're experiencing now with Gen. You can see a Gen Zer, right, saying the exact same things.
0: Okay, Boomer, yeah. right? <laughs> I'd forgotten exactly. that scene.
3: Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't seen the film, but uh, we become friends as we go along and she, uh, she, she reveals a, a deep pain in her life and a great loss, and she's hoping to really recover it on the community, uh, uh, on the Camino. And it's, it's, again, it's the creation of community. That's what she's seeking and, and, uh, uh, she finds it. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Um. Emilio, the movie, we, we got hints of this in the trailer that we watched in the clips. This is this is a movie about a father and a son. Um, and it's about it, at the beginning is about a father who doesn't necessarily support his son's aspirations and doesn't understand them. Um, obviously, you and your father are extraordinarily close, extraordinarily close and have had a great relationship. But did have you ever been in that position of either having Martin or your mother Janet pushing back on
0: one of your dreams or uh, I can honestly say that because I think both of them are artists, my mother was uh, was uh, she left Cleveland with a scholarship to the new school from the Kiwanis Club and when she was nineteen and she met my father who had just arrived to New York from and he had left Dayton, so both Buckeyes both left Ohio for New York in search of themselves in search of, uh, of discovering their art. And so when I started to sort of put my toe into uh, the water and, and explore this idea of being an actor, being a storyteller, a director, a writer, uh, they got me. They understood me, uh, unlike Tom, uh, who mm-hmm. doesn't understand his son, doesn't understand the, the, this idea that Daniel wants to go out and, and travel the world and give his life up in, in academia and, and and experience life rather than rather than uh, spend time in school and so um, and, and isn't that interesting, though? Tom uh, can't meet his son halfway, and it takes the Camino and his son's death for him to now have to travel the entire distance to finally meet his son, discover who his son was, and become a father to these other pilgrims that he could never be to his son. But I would have to say, from from my perspective, I was always encouraged as an artist to follow my dream. Uh, I think at one point, my dad, uh, he says, well, you know, what about law school? What about, you know, going to medical school? And, and, and that just, you know, I grew up on, on film sets. I grew up in this immersive travel world where we, you know, we didn't travel for leisure. We traveled because there was, it was work. It was, he got a job and the, the, the family went with him. And so, it was sort of almost like a, uh, being a part of a, part of a circuits, right? We sort of went, we'd set up tent and we, we lived there for a while. And then, uh, we, we would come home and then only to start it all over again. And so I didn't really know any other life than, than I, 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 I caution say show business because I think it's, it's important to say there's show and then there's business. I, I, uh, I've always been uncomfortable with the show but never the business. I love the business. I love the community. I love being part of that, you know, setting up that circus tent as I said and and going to work. And so mm-hmm.
2: um mm. we were just we were just treated to some wonderful family photos from those years and and Martin, I'm fascinated by your decision and Janet's decision to take the family along. I mean, that was not necessarily the done thing, right? Um could you walk us through what made you do? you know were there pros and cons you had to weigh?
3: Uh, well, yeah, they were. Uh, you know, if you most of the films I was doing at that time were distant locations, so I knew that I'd be gone for a long time, and uh, I felt the 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 risk of of uh, leaving them behind would be. Uh, something I couldn't bear, you know, because <laughs> in those days there were no cell phones. It was not easy to communicate. You had to get to a, uh, it, it, from a hotel, you had to go through an operator and, uh, I usually call collect. <laughs> so I thought, you know, we should experience these things together. And it often meant, uh, pulling them out of school as they got older. And that got more difficult, particularly in the Philippines, because we were there for so very long. But, um, I still felt that uh, at least we were together and we could share the pros and the cons of this more than being separated and not knowing what was going on. So that was the, the main motivation. Uh, I, I remember some locations, particularly uh, like uh, for Badlands, we were in, uh, in a little community called La Junta in Colorado for like four months, and we rented a home. And we became part of the community and and the kids were you know they'd go down to the the movies in the uh, Saturday afternoon and come back. and they, they'd play in the park across the street the neighbors would come in and they were uh, showing Janet how to make uh, 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 the homemade bread and ice cream at the uh, you know on the uh, uh, the on the, in the mountain atmosphere because uh, it wasn't the same at sea level and all of these things they became, we, they became part of our Uh, family history. And we would still relate to some of those days. Remember Emilio started working on a farm in Colorado when he was 10 or 12. He was driving a tractor, for heaven's sakes. I mean, it was outrageous. And and that sort of became uh, our lifestyle. It was like Sometimes you know they would object to going on these distant locations, and sometimes they couldn't wait to get there because there was so much uh, adventure le- that le- lay ahead. So yeah, there there were advantages and disadvantages. But if I had to, to to do over again, I think I'd do it the same way. You know, I I'd, I I'd, I'd drag them along as as, as long as I, I I had the ability to find a place and uh, and uh, and and keep us afloat. You know.
2: That's wonderful. Um, We do have a question from the audience. This is from um, Susan Zachariasen of Utah. And Susan asks, this is for Martin, how much of the way the Camino did you walk and how hard was it?
3: Well, I I have to confess, I never really walked the entire uh, Camino. Uh, We started filming in uh, St. Jean Pierre du Port and we ended the filming in. uh, in Morocco, actually uh, and 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 the, the the pilgrimage ended in uh, Mushia but uh, I, I, as Emilio has often said, we did the Camino about forty times because when you're filming you you have to do coverage, you have to do wide angles and a lot of the walking and climbing and 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 sometimes swimming um, and so we would have to do it over and over and over again for the coverage. <laughs> And uh, so, although I did not um, earn a uh, Compostela, you know, which is the, uh, the completed passport for the entire journey, I, I, I did earn uh, 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 the respect of the Camino for what I did do of it. I still longed to, to do it. I, I, I would love to do it. I, I don't know if I'm uh, beyond the age that could make it, but uh, I'd still love to give it a try someday.
0: Yeah. We, well, we, this- we reckon that we did about 200 miles, if you figure... Sometimes the van would drop us off at one end of a village and then pick us up on the other side of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, like Martin was saying, it would be take one, take two, take three, and then it would be coverage where a normal pilgrim just passes through a village one time. So, yeah, exactly. we, we figured 200, 250 miles of the actual Camino that we, that we traveled.
2: Well, I think that that is deserving of at least an honorary Compostela. But, but fascinatingly, this brings both of you kind of full circle with your family story, right? Martin's father is from Campostella, and Emilio, your son, I understand, now lives in that area. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the family connection to this place?
3: My father was Gallego. Well, sure. He was in a little village uh, uh, in northern Spain on the Portuguese border uh, uh, called uh, Pararrubias in Salta Revolta, near Tui, uh, which is near Vigo which is not that far from Santiago Santiago de Compostela so um yeah we we've been to that area uh, many times over the years to visit uh, our our galician relatives and, and very very close to that uh, community my sister carmen lives in madrid she's been uh, she's a retired school teacher she and her husband are both uh, retired uh, teachers in madrid uh, and uh, I'll leave the, the rest of the family uh, connection to Spain to Emilio and his son, Taylor.
0: Well, Taylor had gone to Spain uh, to accompany my father during the hiatus during the West Wing. He was working as his assistant at the time. And so um, they, my dad had always wanted to go to, to see what the Camino was all about, but they didn't have the time to actually walk it. So they rented a car and they drove. Uh, along the way, along the Camino, and they stopped in a town called Burgos, which is, as the crow flies, about two hours north of Madrid, if you're looking at the map. And at this particular albergue, this this, uh, place that takes in pilgrims uh, for the night, uh, they stayed, and my son uh, met, A a young lady named Julia, he's 19 at the time, meets Julia, falls in love, decides to move to Spain and lived there for nine years. In fact, they got married in 2009, which was the year we started we started shooting the film. Uh, Taylor worked on the film. He was a co-producer on the movie. He was kind of our fixer along the route because by that point he was very fluent in 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 Spanish. And so he he's stateside now, but certainly goes back and forth. between, between the United States and Spain. Uh, his, um, his his daughter, uh, Alma, my granddaughter, is the sort of the, what I like to call, the second miracle of this movie, the first, of course, uh, Taylor and his wife meeting.
2: That is beautiful. You know, I, I don't know if you're aware, Emilio, obviously we all know and love you and remember you from your years. Um, I don't know, do you like the term Brat Pack? Is it something you... <laughs> I, you know, I don't
0: for, for a lot of different reasons. I think it sort of labeled us in a way that um, it was kind of unfair. It was sort of, you know, kind of put us in a, in a box to, to a certain extent. I think what's, what's interesting and what's sort of not, it's actually in the article. And, and that is that John Hughes was interviewed for that particular article in, in the New York magazine. And he talks about reading my script for Men at Work. Now, regardless of what anybody thinks about Men at Work, it's a silly comedy. However, John Hughes said this script is reminds me of something that I would have written. This the the humor, the the dialogue, the relationship, the characters reminds. So that part was completely left out of the narrative of the entire Brat Pack of it all. Uh, and and it was also uh, it, it was. Um, David Blum, uh, the writer of the piece, uh, even himself said that, who read that early draft of Men at Work, said the film was um, surprisingly uh, sophisticated. Uh, It's too bad that his article uh, about all of us was not.
2: Well, I take your point, so I will not use that term, but your fellow actor from that time, Andrew McCarthy, also did the Camino with his son, um, and, and he joined us last week, I think it was, um, about that journey. And I just am wondering if you have spoken with him about that, if you've connected around this, this subject.
0: I have. and in, in fact, you know, the interesting thing about his journey on, on Camino, on pilgrimage, is that he found himself uh, on, on the Camino. He became a writer, and found the writer in himself, much like Paulo Coelho did after he did The, the Pilgrimage and wrote, and in fact, he wrote The Pilgrimage. So, again, we're, we see how the Camino de Santiago influences people, inspires people to become themselves. And that's really the, the overall and overarching theme of the film.
3: Yeah. Incidentally, somebody sent me a copy of Andrew's book. I'm halfway through it. And I'm having all of these uh, memories of our time. He's in all those places and and seeing all those things that we saw and did. and it's quite extraordinary. He's terrific. Mm-hmm.
2: He's yeah. a wonderful writer, it's true. Martin, you know th- when we met Lowe those many years ago on the bus, um we talked <laughs> about religion and spiritual practice, and you are a practicing Catholic.
3: Um, I'm gonna write someday. Religion,
2: I hear you. I hear you. We're all pilgrims. <laughs> um but I wonder what it's like to be a man of faith and a person of faith in in what in godless Hollywood. And I don't know how godless it really is. I mean, do you do you have a community there of, of fellow believers and, and practitioners?
3: I I I I belong to a, a small uh, parish. A lot of people don't know there's a Catholic church in Malibu. It's called Our Lady of Malibu, and it's it's my home parish. And uh, they're very uh, active in social justice, and it's a very very vibrant uh, community. There's a a, a a school from kindergarten to eighth grade, and uh, we just had uh, the first communion class, and it's It's a very nourishing, very beautiful community. The larger community in my life is, is, is of course family, but uh, the the um, the community of artists, you know I, I, you know i I don't ever think of myself as 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 working or living or belonging or in any way really associated with Hollywood per se. I mean, that's a a community. It involves a whole lot of other professions as well as movie studios and actors and uh, entertainment. so uh, uh, I, I think that there are you know enough truly creative peer, uh, people who are nourished by their uh, their spirituality which is reflected in their work and that's that's Hollywood uh, as, as much as you know people make make uh, uh, tank shells in 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 uh, in Pennsylvania, you know. It's like it's a reflection of who we are, where we come, come from, what we stand for, and, and what we, we strive for. And that is a connection to our humanity, the, the, the deepest part of ourselves. And for my own part, I, I've, I've, you know, I've been an actor all of my life. I have no memory of ever being a, a, not an actor. I couldn't identify it when I was a child. I started going to the movies, I was five or six, and gradually it dawned on me that I was like those people up on the screen and and i and I knew something about myself then that that I cherished that I was possessed by this this image of myself being part of that community, and it possessed me, and I knew that if I did not pursue it, I would never be happy. And that's been the case. And the longer I'm at it, I'm, you know, I'm long over the retirement age, but I love it. I love it as much today as I did when I started, because it nurtures the, the deepest part of my humanity, my spirit, and it, it unites that thing I talked about before. It's always united the will of the spirit with the work of the flesh. And it, it's like a, a form of uh, prayer uh my profession and i know that there are most of the people in this profession have that sense of it they may not articulate it the same way i i would but uh we're creative people and this is this is how we sustain our spirituality and and our life force and it i think it shows in a lot of the work that some of the great actors of my generation are still doing it today and it's quite extraordinary to see uh, Al Pacino and, and Bobby De Niro, to just name two of the greats of my generation, who uh, are still nourished by what they do, and they nourish us. It's always a trip, uh, journey inside, and we, we see ourselves, the very best and the very worst part of ourselves, and when we see the brokenness, I, I consider it blessed brokenness, and that's the only way that the uh, that the spirit can enter is through a broken part. That's how God... Gets in, And that's how whether you believe in God or not, whether the one, the other, the unit, whatever it is, that higher power, that's the only way it gets in is through the brokenness. So I, I cherish the brokenness and and uh, and I nourish uh, the spirit that 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 allows that that energy to flow, that great mystery of just being alive.
0: And Anne, I would say that I could I would add to that there is nothing like watching Martin on a set. Uh, first of all, he's never met a stranger. So you have to call him to set 10 minutes before you you need him because he's saying hello to everybody. Hey, where are you from? How you doing? Wow, what's going on? So there's all of that. But his energy, his, the just his life force, you just see it. You feel him, you know, when he's on the set and he's just so excited uh to to be on set and to be in that character but sometimes not in that character sometimes it was very difficult for him to play this character of tom who's a little prickly is kind of a grump and and he wanted to be martin and i was like dad you're not you you will become you by the end you'll evolve by the end of this but you are this country club guy you are this you know you're this arch conservative you're a guy who's not in the world you are you will evolve but in the meantime uh, I, I need you to be grumpy, Martin, not, not Tom by the end of the movie.
2: I couldn't help noticing in that earlier scene, it's like, wow, that really, that was a stretch because you are not that guy. You are not that guy. Anybody who knows you or has watched you on screen. I have what time for one last question. And it gets back to the to these, it's extraordinary to me that both of you have been a part of movies, and in, and in the case of the West Wing t- television shows that are really generational touchstones. Um, you have been a part of movies that just capture people's experience and take hold in a way that live on in, in our imaginations and stand for something. Um, and Emilio, I guess I'll direct this to you and I'd love to hear from Martin too. If Is that still possible, you know, in this kind of fractured siloed media culture that we're in? Um, Is that kind of uh, movie or cultural product even still doable?
0: Well, I think by the very nature of us talking about this movie 12 years after the initial release, I think the the short answer is yes. I think that uh, if you can make a film that transcends generations, that moves through time, that is still relevant, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years after you made it. I mean, look at this year, is gonna be the 40th anniversary of The Outsiders. You know, when you're a young actor, and I think my father can attest to this as well, you're just happy that, that the director, the casting director said yes. Uh, so it, it's not necessarily part of this plan. You just, it's luck, it's timing. Uh, and, and I think again, um, you know, who knew that we would still be talking about Apocalypse Now? 40 years later or Breakfast Club 30 years later or and the way I I believe is that kind of movie that it's going to outlive everybody who's listed in those credits.
2: Mm. Well, I couldn't agree more. People who are fans of The Way, I know we'll be flocking to see it again tomorrow. People who haven't, I strongly recommend that you that you do because um, you won't forget it. And unfortunately, we do have to leave that there. So we'll have to leave it there. Martin Sheen, Emilio Estevez, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank, thank you. you. So Thanks so much. And thank you for your continued support on
0: this. It really means a lot to, to both of us. Hear, here. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.